I felt like uh, the Lord gave me some insight into a way to illustrate what we've been talking about, in particular about new creation and image bearing, that's going to make it simple and practical for us to think about. And uh, so the, the enemy of this is going to be complication, and I'm going to try not to do that. So this is pretty simple, and it even had to be more simple because how fat those letters are. You remember, Dan, when you were trying to label things? It doesn't let you get in there. So uh, this is kind of the starting illustration that I feel like the I'm going to use tonight just as a basic introduction to about a three-week series uh, on image bearing and new creation. And I think it'll help. Now, you can tell me once we get through it tonight, and I don't have a ton of stuff to cover, so hopefully it'll be soon or early enough that you guys can come up and say, well, I got a question about this, or it seems like this needs to be covered or, this doesn't, or anything. So anyway, let's pray. Father, thank you that you, have, that you speak to your children. Thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that when we have an opportunity to gather together, and we give ourselves to that purpose that you meet with us. Thank you that, thank you that you, you care about us knowing you and that you know us intimately. And so I pray that as we move forward tonight, looking at this little illustration, uh, that you'll convey to us the, the simplicity, but the depth of how you see us and how we are in this world. And so I just pray that you'll bring these uh, thoughts and illustrations together tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Okie doke. So let me explain what's up here, and I'm going to have to stay up here most of the time. Uh, who am I going to block the least? Over here. Okay, so... There are a couple of anchor points here. There's the heavens, and then I've got new in here. Genesis 1-1, Revelation 21-12. This is the new heavens and the new earth scripture. This is in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Pretty basic, right? So, but this is the heavens here. This is the earth here. This is a little ledger. This is the sort of boundary, but I, I know it's not right. I understand there's not a boundary to heaven. <laughs> There is a boundary to earth, depending on whether it's the ground or the air or whatever, but just for the sake of this. So this is what the boundary down here that earth reaches out and touches, it looks like. And this wavy line, and I had a double wavy line, but it was too complicated because lines are too fat. So I was trying to kind of more emulate time and eternity as opposed to just the waters. But, you know, you can let your imagination run with it. The colors sort of suggest the waters. And then this little thing, which I know is a little bit detailed, and you guys can <clears throat> see it bigger up here. So this is the Father, the Word, and the Son, and the Spirit. Uh, it, I was thinking, Dan, of that circular perichoresis illustration we were doing in kind of a simple way. So that's what that is. Does anybody, can anybody tell what that's supposed to be? Oh, all right, cool. Well, that's not that bad, Dan. Yeah, that's a throne. That's God's throne. This is the emerald rainbow. I didn't know if you knew it looked like that, but it does. And uh, on this illustration, at least, anyway. So obviously, this is suggesting. Now, you know what these things are? Huh? No. 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 The what? 
Yeah, the angels with eyes all around and about. I didn't really know how to draw those, but especially in a limited palette with big fat kindergarten line pins. Anyway, it's obvious that's what this situation is up here. This is kind of heaven's centerpiece, heaven's throne, and then down here. All right, so I have an illustration here. I have a water here. Let's see where we're going to go. So related to these things, there are two sort of foundational anchor points that I want to talk about. This one is uh, Yeshua, Jesus, okay, and he is the Messiah. Down here, now this is, so this is like a super anchor point. Um, I've got a whole ton of scriptures. There's no possible way I could write them. I'd bore you senseless as I was trying. It's too fat a pen, but... Don't worry about overly trying to take notes. I know nobody's taking them now, so that's cool. Oh, Dan is. But I, I will have a PowerPoint series built that have layered these things on it with the scriptures and stuff. So um, anyhow, so this business in the perichoretic relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit, this business of reigning, begins to be manifest in... Jesus, right? In the Messiah. All right? Now, what this area is here is like the overlap that new creation has between heaven and earth. Now, I've heard it talked about, and some of you have too, talked about as Eden, And if you read that in Genesis 2, uh, God made a place, you know, he, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and then he made a garden west of the river, and he made man, and then he put man in that garden. And then if you remember, uh, we talked about N.T. Wright's concept of the, the tabernacle or the temple, and this represented kind of the temple. So Eden at one point represented, in our thinking, the touching and overlapping of heaven and earth. Does that make sense? Okay. That's what this is kind of supposed to illustrate. Now, these things have a capacity to, to grow. And the same thing down here. Now, Eden's not growing per se, but the next thing that comes up is the tabernacle. All right, so you remember when we studied about the Holy Spirit and every time the Holy Spirit got involved, uh, she created a space for man and God to get together and to interact with one another. So that, that's what the tabernacle is. So this would be, we'd look back in Exodus to, to root this in the scripture. And, and I will do that as we go on with that series. But tonight I just want to introduce it. But the tabernacle was the pattern that God showed Moses of, of what Jesus later taught us to pray about. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. And Adam was put in there, and that's where Wright got the idea of image bearing. So some of that's going to go on. Now, the next thing that comes into this area are temples. And I don't mean just any old random temple. I mean temples that are Yahweh's temple. Okay? So the first temple is Solomon's. 
You see what I mean by temples? So Solomon's temple was built. David couldn't build it. Solomon did. Uh, had instructions. God ordained that and all that kind of stuff. The second temple. So you read a lot about second temple Judaism, second temple stuff. This is the temple that was there when Jesus came. But it started with uh, Ezra. And if you remember, Cyrus authorized the creation of that temple after the Babylonian captivity was beginning to come to an end. So the, the second temple was the temple that Ezra oversaw the rebuilding of. But then there was a 2.5 temple. And that was the temple that Herod the Great built. And that happened about 50 years B.C. or something along those lines when it got started. It was the same temple, it was on the same temple grounds, but it was remodeled, they raised the inner temple and then redid it with white stone, they added a couple of courts, and they began to expand it a little bit. There's a passage in Ezra that we'll probably end up looking at, but there were some people that were alive that knew the old temple, and they wept when the temple was being dedicated or that was laid out because they realized how much smaller this one was. So this one done by... Herod, uh, the great, was to ramp that back up again. And that was the temple that was in Jerusalem when Jesus came. But that leads us to the third temple. Can anybody guess what the third temple is? Huh? Not yet. The third temple is Jesus is Jesus. Remember he said in John 2.19, destroy this temple, he's talking to Pharisees, and I will rebuild it in three days. And it says expressly in there, this he spoke of his body. But you're pretty close, because now the fourth temple is the disciples, us, church. Okay, so you remember Paul says, do you not know that you, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So there's a, there's a temple structure that's bringing these, that, that's filling these things in here. And this is, I think, what N.T. Wright kind of talks about, about image bearing and being the image in that temple. So, and we'll get to this in detail to see if it's legit. I'm just kind of powering through it. But this is also the place where Jesus said, uh, it's good for you that I go away. Uh, and then he also said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. It's the place where we understand the full impact of him saying, I'm the light of the world, and you're the light of the world. And it was in this period of time that this temple right here, that this temple was destroyed there in A.D. 70. And then, of course, Jesus ascended. So now we've got something going here that we got to talk about, which is this situation created a couple of bits of movement. Okay? One of those movements was this. And I'm not pointing just to this, but this is the incarnation of the Son. So Jesus came down, took form. And that was part of this tabernacle. 
Remember, uh, Jesus tabernacled among us is what it says. He dwelled among us. And then after, after his death on the cross and the resurrection, now I'm not writing that because it overdoes all that. I'm just saying that's the reference point. Again, this is not a big enough space to put it all in. Now we have another movement from Jesus back up here, and that's the ascension. Okay, what I'm saying is that Eden was this space. It was also a garden. The tabernacle was a tent with a structure in the midst of Israel, but it also represented this overlap where heaven and earth were united and came together, where the Shekinah glory of God was manifest, where the law and the, and the, and the renderings of God's holiness and justice were there. Okay? Solomon's temple was that. You remember during the dedication of the temple, Solomon said, uh, if we uh, forget about you and we go get taken away captive, if we turn back to this temple and pray, then you'll heal us and you'll bring us back. So it functioned as this overlapping place. And it wasn't just located at the temple per se, because the reality of God's presence and the reality of the sanctification of the nation of Israel extended well beyond just the temple grounds. They carried that with him on atonement. They carried all that other stuff. Same thing uh, happened in a degree in the, the temple that um, Ezra oversee the rebuilding of, because they went through quite a, a good amount of time functioning as a nation. But then Jesus came, and so <clears throat> this is when he makes the, the ludicrous-sounding statement, it's good for you that I go away. It's because this whole thing, except where he, through his own personal authority, commissioned the disciples to go out and heal, where he extended things, you know, and gave them stuff like that. Jesus here carried the gist of this, the, the, the overlap area in himself. Another way to think about it is that for a season, he was the body of Christ. The body of Christ was this fingertip to fingertip, head to foot. But uh, he said, if you believe in me, because I go to be with the Father, you're going to do greater things. So there was an extension, a power, uh, a release of this area, and it started this expansion. This started to grow. And we're going to be able to look in detail. And again, tonight is just an introduction, so please don't. Don't hold me for being exhausted. Um, but this overlapping area, when after Jesus ascended, began there in the book of Acts. It began to reach out. Then uh, a little bit into it, the Gentiles were excluded. So you can see that this stuff is, is starting to grow, starting to expand. All right, so then that begins to create a couple of other issues we've got to deal with. All right? One of them is what was revealed from here in these other places, and is there anything that's really, really foundational? And that's the thing I want to talk about over the next three weeks, but I'll introduce it right now. So the foundational thing down here, okay, do you see what that is? God is love, and God loves us. That is a direct result 
of this. Now, there was a time before this that he loved us. That's what motivated creation in the first place. God loved, and therefore he created. He, God was our father. And we could even put here, Father God. And this begins now to bring in all the stuff that Jesus said. Uh, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Love is the motive for the sending of Jesus. So this now, over here, also is sent in love. The incarnation is a gift of love. It's a manifestation of love. But because love, God is love, and he chooses to love us, because of that, then so is this a gift of love. Now we're really getting crowded. It's going to get confusing. So the ascension, Jesus leaving to go be with the Father, is a gift of love. And then there's another downward thing coming here. Uh, let me see if I can find a better color. So, so what we have here is we have the Word, who is salvation, who is the Messiah. He comes. He goes back up. But now, the Spirit. He says, I'm going to ask the Father, and He's going to send you another helper. So there is a, if you would, if you will, there's kind of an outpouring of or an in, incarnation of the Spirit that begins to fill this. So, uh, sort of like another incarnation. And if I had room on here to write the scriptures, I'd be talking to you now out of John 14. I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to send you another comforter. And he's going to be in you and with you forever. See what I mean by incarnational. So where is he? Now, in this temple down here, the Spirit is an integral part of us. Okay, it's getting confusing, huh? An integral part. That's why this is holy. Why was this, why was this place holy? Because God walked in it. And Adam was invited into it. Why was this tabernacle holy? Because the Shekinah presence of the Lord was there. And things were sanctified to him. Why were these temples holy? For the same reason. The same reason we're holy. The same reason we're holy as image bearers. And this is one of the big mistakes that I've seen as we've been going through the last couple of months with this image bearing stuff with N.T. Wright. Is holiness is, is more like a condition or a state or a commodity. It's not holy because of the presence of the Lord in us. We're holy because of the image we bear, not because of the accumulation of our behavior. We're holy because of the image we bear. God's still the centerpiece of all of this. The fact that God is love is still a foundation. The fact that this is a centerpiece and that Jesus was given to manifest that is still a centerpiece. So I'm going to see if I can do something here. Uh, this is getting confusing. I'm going to switch to, sorry, switch to this. So let's do this in blue. I don't know if it's going to look good, but let's see. What is this going to look like? Can you see that up on the board? Okay, so that I want you to see is clearly the source foundation, right? It's the heavenly centerpiece, the throne of God, 
Jesus manifesting as Messiah, all that kind of stuff, the Spirit. This one down here, God loves us. All right, so that's, that's the big deal down in the earth realm. That God's love has been made manifest, poured out in our hearts. Make sense? Okay. Now, there's some things that happen in relationship to these two things. And I'm going to talk about the bottom one first. So, the love of God. Ooh, sorry. Okay, so down here, let's see if I can trace over that. God is love. But it's not enough in this realm of the earth, reaching up and being embraced by heaven, that God just be love. We have to know that. And we have to know that it applies to us. So, if I were to write that up here, this is something that gets built on this process. Uh, it, again, if I had time to write scriptures, and we'll go into detail about those so you can understand this is in the Bible. First uh, John 4.16 We have come to know and believe, right? That God is love. Okay, so we come to no, love. It'll be like that. So you understand what I wrote there. Step one is we've come to know. And over here, in relationship to this, but built upon it, because you'll see here in just, just a second, there's a, what a, I'll just do it that way. There's a connection here with this thing. But we can't just stop at knowing we're loved, the scripture says. We have believed your love. All right, so there's another issue going on here that is connected to this. So this is a, a, a thing going across. Let's see, make an arrow showing it's connected. So it goes across like that. We're love. This one goes up like that. I know it's getting confusing. I'm sorry. And this one, okay. So there's that. Now from down here, there's something else, and we we got into it uh, at the end a little bit. And I was I was nervous about talking about it, and it's eschatology. But in Acts chapter three. So up here in Acts 3, 19 through 21, something big about this is said. And what it says is that <clears throat> Jesus must be received in heaven until. So Jesus has come down. He's gone back up until. Until what? Until all his enemies become his footstool, right? So, when is this going to happen? And this is the, the, the trouble. <laughs> okay, this is getting really confusing. Anyway, this passage of Scripture in verse 20, Act 3.20, talks about uh, an appointed time. Okay? 
And then this same scripture over here talks about, oh, no, wrong one. Restoration. Good catch. Thanks for erasing. All right. So this until right here goes with these two things. A time that has been appointed for the restoration of all things. I could? You mean like this? All right, so, and then this obviously, in this realm, in this realm, so this is talking about the restoration of all things. Now, I don't know what all that means, but it, it certainly means the restoration of a lot of stuff in this earth realm and in this overlap area, which is totally messed up right now. But it also does this. In the same way that the fact that God is love connects us in a knowing way and a believing way, right? Okay, not quite yet. One more. All right, so there's one. Oh, my God. All right, I might as well make this work, too. So this thing is a foundational deal. This thing is a foundational deal. Now, there's one more reality here that we're going to have to look at. It's the last layer of this. And this is what it's going to look like. I don't know if you can see that. Let me... Can you see that? Okay. Yeah, not really. I'll stay with the blue. I'll stay with the blue. All right. <clears throat> so we have this thing going here. Yeah, it could be purple, maybe. Let's see what purple looks like. Okay, we'll try purple. That's pretty. All right, we have this thing, right? And it is now connected to this. And it's connected to this. And we have this thing down here, which is the love of God manifest in the world, in Christ, in us, with us, by the Spirit. And it's here. And that leads up to this anchor point out here that leads to this have-believed anchor point out here. So here's what I saw in this, and, and I want to build on it when we have time. This isn't going to look very good, but this connects to this. And this connects to this. And this connects to this. Got that? All right. This one connects down to here. This one connects over to here. Yeah. And this one connects back up to here. The framework that all this points to is that David will never lack for one to sit on his throne. And everything that happened in here, everything that happened in there with the Messiah, everything that happened with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, everything about your life and my life that is of image-bearing, and all of the expansion, because now, now this is growing crazy. 
This growth is happening. The expansion of this arena. In a lot of ways, down here, it's growing big. You see what I'm saying? That is, so now, I don't, there's no possible way I can write it, but I'll, I'll put some other words up here. So, kingdom. That's this expansion in all directions. The rulership of God. The overlap of heaven and earth. Our, we represent the kingdom. Another thing is presence. He says, I'm going to ask the Father to give you another comfort. He's going to be with you and in you forever. Everywhere we go. Everything we do. Every moment we live. We carry the presence of God with us. Jesus then also went ahead to say, I'll be with you and the Father and I are going to abide in you. You and I, like I said two weeks ago, we're image bearers. But the primary function of that image bearing is to, is to carry the presence of the Father to the world around us. That's what it's about. Church, I don't know really what I think about church as, as the best way to think about that because the word's been so diminished and brought down. But maybe body of Christ We'll have to see. We'll have to see which of these terms. How about the community? How about the new heavens and new earth, Jerusalem? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to find that out. But, wow, that's a mess. Does that make sense, though? Left triangle. Uh, Left triangle. Are we here? Oh, let's see. Oh, I see. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. All right. I'm open. If you got, excuse me, comments or questions. Sorry about my voice. Is this going to be on the test? No, I am going to put together a PowerPoint that, and, and believe me, in that framework with smaller text, there, there's going to be a lot. Okay. We'll save that, yeah. So, point number four, as we can all clearly see. Okay. <laughs> the fourth temple. Yes, disciples and. You said disciples. Believers and, uh, uh, and us. Believers. Church. Church. Um, what about everybody? The cosmos. Why is there a distinction between them and us? Or is there? Because I, like I think there is a distinction, and we'll, we're going to have to talk about it. We'll flesh that out later. Yeah, I think it has to do with coming to know and believe. Okay. But that doesn't mean that they're not carrying the image. It means that there's a function. Oh, okay, so here's something else. One of the problems, uh, how do I do this? 
it's kind of confusing. When we spread this out and get the layers working properly, it's going to be easier to illustrate that when God sees something, he sees it as it is. When something is seen down here, it is often seen as it is becoming. That's part of the difference, Ronnie. That's part of the difference. God, it's God who works in us to will and do according to his good pleasure. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because we who come to him must believe that he is and is a reward of them to seek him. There is a, there is a temporal cost to not believing. But it, how the Father sees is critical, but so is how we respond. Critical. And so we don't have to artificially say there's no distinction, but we, we can't, we can't, uh, write, write them off as if there's nothing going on in this whole overlapping effort that God's making. During our exploration of it, will you or could you potentially reach in and help us understand more about what a temple is or what a, sure, that middle-ish area is? The overlap, present? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Try. That is if I can figure it out. Anybody else? Clear as mud? I know this is just the introduction. So what? So what? Mm -hmm. You mean why would why is this important to know or what, think about? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> here's here's what I think's coming where, from. Where are you going? What's okay, here's what I think's coming from. <clears throat> If we can examine these, if this thing could, if I could pull each of the layers of this off and we could look at them in a little bit of detail, each of them reveals something about redemption that can be seen clearly, but it doesn't tell the whole story because the whole story has these other layers to it and it has these other connections to biblical prophecy to it and stuff like that. So by having this as a framework to look at, I think it'll help us get beyond the vagueness of so what is the new creation and what do we do as image bearers you know when are we that's my goal and and i think if we can accomplish that if we can accomplish that then i believe that the realities that are represented here like coming to know and believing the love of god and to see that links when jesus said to those who believe they will do greater works than i do i think that there are actual authoritative, image-bearing, kingdom-advancing things that we're going to have access to in, in ways that, that we haven't up to this point. So I'm, ho I'm hoping that by having access to these layers of the redemptive plan, we're going to see, like, even just the idea we have come to know and have believed. How much energy is wasted by a lot of Christians trying to believe that God loves them? Without, well, or, yeah, you know, and then, and also, so then like Ronnie's question, <clears throat> so what about the people who haven't known or heard? Well, Paul talks about that. How can they believe if they haven't heard? So we're going to see, you know, the, the role for our, our presence, witnessing people and so on and so forth. I think it's going to be good. Alan? Larry, that's, that's fantastic. Um, that is, wow. But what actually it was this morning, only this morning when I woke up, after I woke up, I was sitting there and it's like the revelation came to me, which you've just explained and it backs it up, is that 
when Adam walked in the garden, he walked with God in the afternoon. And I, I often thought, well, God must have walked with him, so therefore he must have been like Jesus or whatever. But the revelation came to me this morning was that, no, he was still spirit. But Adam experienced God in the cool of the evening. We get to experience God all the time. No matter what we do, he delights to be with us. And that was, wow, this morning, I just never thought of it that way, that because of Christ, we get to walk with him all the time. And it was just a different way of looking at the same thing. I know I should have known that, but it was just, wow. And I think that is one of the hopes, is to realize that every minute of every day, we find ourselves in, in several realities that have been completed. And, and what we just need to do is, is not be dissuaded, not be accused out of them and step into them. Uh, okay, yeah, a couple more. Yes, Ray. Take this for a loving suggestion, but the way this looks to me is kind of like finger painting, mm -hmm. kind of smeared all over and stuff. And I imagine when God sees us trying to figure out his infinite nature mm -hmm. and writing notes about it it ends up looking probably to him like just finger paint which would be okay which would be okay because we're kids yeah because we're his kids yeah did you have something <clears throat> this is everybody in here so does the sinful nature of man distort the image image of what well the image bearing right of does the sinful nature of man distort the image bearing? I uh, We'd have to talk about what sinful nature is and whether there is one. Mm -hmm. And we would have to, because there is obviously sin, right? right. And uh, so we'd need to also talk about for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? Because to fall short of the glory of God, does that have the capacity to distort what we see? Probably. Does it have the capacity to change or nullify what is i don't think so so that's something we're gonna have to talk about okay Thank that's you. good all right anybody else last one anybody on zoom no tim um i love this um i'm looking at i was really glad that it does show up like a star david in purple god gave me an image uh in one of our ascensions and this image keeps coming up and it's it's a ring, but it's got a seal on it. And sometimes Jesus wears that mm -hmm. seal ring. And in it, it's the Star of David in sapphires. And there's a cross in, in no. diamonds cool. in the middle of the, the Star of David. And it, and it just ties all this together. I, I just know that we're in a point right now where God's no longer satisfied with the church and people sitting in pews. There's a real advancement in the kingdom that's happening right now. Yeah. And you're explaining that advancement. And we need to get excited about it and look forward to it and see how he is leading us in that. And I think the churches that are going to survive and do well are the teachers that are teaching this and showing the advancement of the kingdom kingdom and how God wants us to, you know, yeah. you know, basically prosper in that all. So well, I certainly hope you. so. You know, yeah. the Lord is the one that works in us to will and do according to his good pleasure. And <clears throat> there is a sense in which this has got to go beyond just teaching. Uh, it, it has to become a root.
rooted in reality in our lives. We need to see ourselves in this situation. And that's why even that little thing about Jesus sitting on the throne of David. And th- I-, I want you to know that this is all connected. This is, it's not just by making sure that we acknowledge that it was the Messiah that was on the cross. We need to acknowledge that in the heart of the Father and from the love, the root of the love of the Father and from this eternal place. Because there's more I could put up there, but I don't have any room. Like we're, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, so I could put a bunch of scribbles up there on the right hand side. This is reality. This is reality. It's reality today. It was a reality when Vicky at the T, uh, the gals put together that declaration for Trish, and it began to come to pass. It's a reality when Lisa, who was in an enormous amount of chaos, set her heart on the things that God had for her when she moved to New Mexico. And I drove her down there, and it's been like a month. And she's already got a job. She's got people that she's with. She's got inventions that are working. And uh, she's straightened out a bunch of the default paperwork and stuff. Stuff happens. This is real. And this, and I want us to have way. And plus, one other thing is I want you to be able, this is too complicated, but maybe we can have a couple of simple layers of this that can help you explain to somebody else or at least give you the terminology about the love of, of the Father is the foundation of everything. And the Father, Son, and Spirit are the source of everything. And there is a plan for redemption. And there is a plan for personal restoration. One involves love. One involves an appointed time. And God's commitment to restore. That's something.